All right, all right. If you have your Bibles, grab those. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Um, we'll get there here shortly. Philippians 2. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. Um, but man, gosh, um, just, just a kind of a, a cool week for me. Um, how about Billy last week? Gosh, I know, right? Yes, 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 yes. Um, man, just an awesome time. I talked to him this week, and he, again, was just so grateful for last week and the opportunity to come and, and proclaim and just tell his story and uh, just let people know how good Jesus is. Um, and if, if you've never been around Billy, it's like that all the time with him. So, um, yeah, yeah, buckle up. Um, I, I used to like just say like this. I just feel like, like Jesus, Jesus just kind of oozes from him. You know what I'm saying? It's just like I just want to get some that on me. Um, so it's good, good stuff there, good stuff there. Uh, and so, um, and, and this weekend, uh, this weekend we had uh, our discipleship weekend with our, our student ministry. Um, and we had one come to know Jesus this weekend, church. So, I mean, that, that's, yeah, let's, let's, um, um, I know, I know we, we talk often about miracles. They're like, man, why don't we still see this stuff? And, and I just believe that we do. Maybe we're just not aware of it. Um, and so from, from one to cross, from death to life is, is a miracle uh, that can only be performed uh, by God. And so that, that's just, just an awesome, uh, awesome, awesome news there, awesome plan. Um, and like I said, pl- please don't forget to be praying for Eric and his family, uh, again, as, as his uh, mother-in-law, uh, Catherine's mom, passed. And so, um, so just, uh, man, just a lot, of, a lot of neat stuff. And then after the service today, we're having the chili cook-off. So, if, I mean, come hungry, come eat. We've got some pretty cool packages and stuff back there, auction, uh, little silent auction stuff going on there too. And, and the money that's raised for that is going to go uh, back into some ministry stuff here as well as for our summer camp uh, to hopefully just be able to sponsor some kids in our community, to be able to uh, have, help, help some mamas out that, that maybe need some help, single moms that uh, they're trying to raise their kids and just need a place for them this summer. And so um, some pretty cool stuff going on back there in the back and the gym after service. And so, um, so we have been in this series now for about 11 weeks. I know it seemed like much longer, but it's um, really this is my 11th sermon on this. And so um, we have covered so so much over the last three months. Um, and, and the last few weeks, we've been very, very intentional just at how we look at the different phases of the discipleship process. Uh, very, very intentional how, how we look at, at what it means to be a disciple early on. We defined it, we talked about it, we looked at it, kind of laid some groundwork there. Um, and, and then what we've done the last couple weeks is uh, give the different phases, look at the process. Because if Jesus tells us to go make disciples, if he tells his church, his people, uh, to go make disciples, then, then we have to know how to do that. How do we assess how we're doing? How do we understand that in a deeper way? How do we uh, walk that out? And so uh, the last couple weeks and then this week today, uh, it, it, it tells us that. It helps us understand and gives us a better understanding and, and insight on uh, the way that that works. And so uh, I have lived here officially for 15 years. And so, so much so now that I say y'all. Um, and, and like I was kind of in the middle of the road guy. Like we're West Virginia, so we like really don't know what we are there. We're just we're hillbilly mountains people and love it. So and we don't say y'all much. Um, and so I get here and now I'm a y'all kind of guy. And, and it's really like rubbing off on my kids. I mean, like they've got that long eye in, in everything, right? Like right over there. Um, and so, so so we've been here long enough. And I guess my kids are Southerners because they were born here. So they that's 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 what they are. And so. Um, but I was just thinking as we're, we're looking at discipleship and we're looking at the different phases and uh, the process. Um, uh, so the story goes like this. I, I was here about six months uh, before my wife and I got married. And then after we get married, she moves down. Um, and, and then we're, we're living, we're, we're going at it. She uh, started working uh, at the place that she's at even now. Um, and as she, she's there, uh, I, I can remember there were times 
uh, and her coming home, she would call me in a panic. And she'd be like, Scott said, yeah. She's like, right or left? I'm like, right or left what? Do I go right or left? I'm like, what do you mean do you go right or left? She's like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know which way to go. I'm like, well, what do you see? She's like, there's trees. Trees. I said, okay, what else do you see? She's like, there, there's a red car. I said, like, that does nothing for telling me. I'm like, where are you at? She's like, I don't know. I'm right here. She's just directionally challenged. Love her heart. Um, and so, so if she goes back and watches this, she'll kill me. But, but she is. I mean, she would get lost coming home. It's the same, it's the same, same route every, every day, babe. Same route. Just do the same thing every day. Go in there and just reverse it coming back. And so, uh, but I can remember getting like calls like that. Well, well there was a traffic jam, so I went, ar- went around and I tried to, ah, oh, you can't do that. Well, why can't I? I said, because you don't know where you're at. And telling me about the trees and the birds and the red cars does not help me. What buildings do you see? What? And, and so I can remember like calls like that and I was just in a frantic, go left. Well, where does that take me? I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out when we see the next awesome road mark that's out there. Um, is it a magnolia tree? Is it a book? What do you see? Um, and so I, I, can just, I can just remember those calls in sheer panic sometimes. And the thing is, she knew where she wanted to get. She just didn't know where she was at. She knew, she knew she wanted to get home after work, but she just didn't fully know where she was at so that she could get there. And I believe the same holds true for us as people as well as the church. I believe we know where we want to get and I believe that, that we would say that, but, but hear me, in, in order for us as the people and the church, the people of God and the church, to get where we need to be, we have to know where we are. So in order for us to get there at the point of disciples making disciples, we've got to understand where we're at in process. What phase of the discipleship process are we in? Because if we can identify and we can know and we can understand where we're at in the process, now we have the opportunity to do the work, to press in uh, and allow the Holy Spirit, allow other mature disciples to kind of help us get where we need to be. But to do that, we have to honestly assess where we're at. We have to honestly look in and see where we're at and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what phase are we in? Are we lost? Are we dead? Are we an infant in the faith? Are we a child in the faith? Or would we land in the two areas we're going to talk about this morning? And I believe that the tendency in us is this, is to kind of elevate ourselves to a place where we may not actually be. To kind of raise ourselves up and think that we are further along in the process than we actually are. Because I don't know about you, but I like to look at myself in the good light of who I am. I don't like to look at the struggles. I don't like to look at the shortcomings. I don't like to look at the things that I do not do well. And so my prayer and my hope for us as we have walked through this series, especially over the last few weeks, as we've we've just really dove in, we've just looked at the process and the phases, my prayer and my hope is that the Holy Spirit would reveal to us, your pastor included, the leadership of this church, every single person that has walked through these doors over the last weeks, that the Holy Spirit would press upon us and show us and tell us and let us know where we're at. And then even in that, that we would respond in a way to help us press through and get to the next phase or the next place in the discipleship process. 
And so I want us to pray. Let's, let's pray. let's pray one more time. And I'm going to do it like we did a couple weeks ago. I'm going to ask you if you just open up your hands like this. Nothing's going to fall from the ceilings. No, nobody's going to come do anything weird or funky. Uh, it's just a reminder of like, God, here I am. Whatever you have for me, whatever you want to give me, whatever you want to say to me, whatever you want to do, uh, God, I just want to be open to what you have and I want to receive it. So would you just join me as we pray this morning? Father, we love you. Jesus, we need you. We gather in this place for, for the very reason that we've sung of. Man, you are our only hope. You are the living hope, and you offer life and salvation. And Father, if we're going to progress this morning in the discipleship process, and we're going to grow, it's going to be by you working and doing in our heart and in our life. God, give us the faith we need to take the next step. God, help us hear from you and respond in a way of obedience. Jesus, our hands are open, palms up, ready to receive whatever it is no matter how difficult it may be, whatever you want to say to us, God, it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this morning, this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at this. We're going to look at the final two phases of the discipleship uh, process. And the fourth phase is this, is that of young adult. Uh, and the fifth uh, phase is that of a parent. And so there's something that happens majorly, something major happens in the heart of every believer who, who uh, presses on into the young adult phase of discipleship. Something very, very big happens in the heart. So you go from, from infant kind of pressing on to childlike. Remember, childlike is about uh, still very self-centered, very selfish, starting to do some of the disciplines of, of, of the faith and walking out, reading the scriptures, praying. Uh, you may serve from time to time. You may give of your, your life from time to time, of service, finances, whatever that may be. Um, and, and, but it's still very, very uh, me-focused. And then something happens in the heart of the believer who presses on and continues to, to mature and progress. There's a shift in thinking, a shift in acting that's not present in those other phases, that, that aren't present in the ones before this, that, that helps us mature and grow into this stage. And, and so the stage of young, young adult, let, let's talk about that for a moment. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll kind of reveal and share to you what that is. Because people in this stage, they're starting to make a big shift from being self-centered to being more others-focused, more others-centered. So what happens is they go from in the infant child phase to being very, very me-driven, very, very me. What, what do I like? My preferences matter the most. Who cares about anybody else? Or what makes everybody else happy? Or, 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 or what would uh, be best for the, the multitude or the larger number of people? Um, uh, but, but it's about me. Well, I don't like that song, or I don't like the color of the carpet, or I don't like the stickers on the, uh, the window, or I don't like the, you name it, the translation that he reads from, or I don't like the, uh, the way he dresses. My gosh, have you seen his hair? Or I don't like, why do y'all laugh at that? <laughs> Let's pray again. Follow, no, I'm joking. You, you know what I'm saying? But it's, like, like, like it's, it's stuff like that. It's, it's stuff like that. It's, it's all preferential type stuff, me, 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 me driven. And so what happens is in the young adult phase, as we begin to pray and walk and, and live out who Jesus is and live out some of the disciplines, the Holy Spirit working in us, he presses on us and he helps us to be uh, uh, um, less me-focused. I've been crucified with Christ. It's not I that lives yet. It's Christ that lives in me. It's that mentality. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. And, and so people in this phase are beginning to understand their role as giver rather than taker. They're beginning to minister to others. They begin to put others first, being doers of the word. So you don't hear them talk so much about I and me. Instead, what has happened is it's flipped. It's about you, it's about them, it's about others. 
That's the way they talk. That's where their heart shift has been. They're more focused about others. And so let's look in Philippians 2-3 here. This is Paul writing this letter to the believers there at Philippi, and this is the command that he gives them. This is what he tells them. He says this. He says, do nothing. Do nothing. It's a command there for the believers at Philippi, but also one that's very, very relevant for us in our world today. Uh, One that's very, very meaningful for us to take heed of, for us to hear and listen this morning and follow out. And so the believers in this day, as well as us, are are commanded to not act this way. Do nothing, is what he says. And then he's going to tell us what the nothing is. He says, do nothing what? From selfish ambition. He says, do nothing for me, 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 my, my, my. What what do I like the most? What do I want the most? Or conceit, all, all about me, my benefit. I'm the whatever. He says, do nothing from that heart, from that motive, from that way. But he says, instead, he says, do this. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Don't do this. And that's what I love about Scripture because for so long, the church is just big about don't, 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 don't. And, and, and they really don't tell you what to do. But, but I love Paul's heart here because he says, don't do this, but instead, let's do this. Don't act this way, but instead let's act this way. And and hear me, this is only by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that we can do this. You you hear me? The the only way that this can happen is God working in us and doing in us. So so do nothing from selfish ambition and conceit, but instead in humility count others more significant than yourself. And, And so what we notice in someone who's maturing in their faith, someone who is progressing in the discipleship process, and they land at the place of young adult, we, we see this heart in them. The life of those that are mature in the discipleship process is more others-focused, less me-focused. I mean, how can I serve? How can I give my life away? How can I die to self? How can I count others more significant than me? Because that is what the mature disciple does. They're others-focused. So hear me, you can attend church regularly. You can know all the Bible that you can stand you can quote, you, you can let us know where it's at, you can dissect it, you can, you, you can tell us the deep truths of God, but if you don't live out what you know in glad obedience, then you're no better than the lost religious crowd in Jesus' day. You can know as much as you want, you can attend as much as you want, you can get that star beside your name, and you can have all the t-shirts from VBS for the last 50 years. The coffee mugs that every time one comes out, with all the cute little Bible verses and sayings on it. But if you're not walking out in glad obedience the things that you know, if you're not walking that out, you're no different than the religious of the day of Jesus. Because to know here and not live it out here is in all essence not to know here. Because the means, it's not an ends to the means. It's not just to know a bunch of, of stuff and, and facts and, and truth uh, and, and not allow that facts and truth to change you. See, they had knowledge of something, but they were not willing to live out and to put into practice what they had preached, what they had proclaimed, what they had known uh, to be true about God and about the way that he has called us to live and to be and to function and, and, and just, to, just to abide in him. And so, so I want to I I do this for a second. Let, let's, let's have some fun this morning, can we? I know it's church and it's hard, but just hang with me for a second. So, 
so let, let me, I just, want, I just want to take a poll. So crowd participation is good here. Uh, the, the poll is this. It's got a couple questions I want to ask you. Anybody ever been hurt or burnt by the hypocrites in the church? Oh, I like the laugh. Oh, yeah. If you haven't, you haven't been around long enough, just hang tight. We'll get there. Um, which brings me to my next question. Anyone ever do the hurting and burning as the hypocrite? Oh, not as many hands on that one. Well, you're in the great place because um, I would be willing to bet otherwise on that. I would be willing to bet. I mean, have you ever hurt someone or burnt someone as a hypocrite? And I know we don't like that word. I know we don't like to think that way because what that's going to do is if you, if you agree to being a hypocrite, which thank you so much for your honesty, some of you in this room, it means you have to own up to something. It means you, you have to, you've come to realization that you've done something that you shouldn't have done. You have to take the responsibility for something that you, you, you've done or the way you've acted or, or reacted or, or the way that you've, you've been. And, and, and in that, you have to deal with it. And I know we live in a world in a day that doesn't want to. It's everybody else's fault. Yeah, I mean, is that not the day we're living in? It can't be me. Good gosh, I'm a preacher for heaven's sakes. It can't be my fault. I read the Bible a couple times. I can preach a sermon. I mean, I mean, but if if we agree to that statement, say, oh yeah, I've, I've, sure, I've been one that's done something or said something or acted in a way. Because what I know to be true is this: is that every single person in this room, in some form or fashion, has has acted hypocritical. Every single one of us. And I just want to make sure we understand what I'm talking about here because every believer everywhere at some point in their journey as a Christian has said, thought, or did something that they're against. You have said or reacted or done something that you are against, that you wouldn't stand for, that you wouldn't, uh, uh, wouldn't support, that you wouldn't, I, I don't care who you are. Emotions get going crazy in a moment, or we're put in that situation or that circumstance in a second, and, and what do we do? We react. Well, because what's in comes out, and there's unredeemed flesh that we have to kill. And if you have never acted that way, please see me after, because I would love to learn. Help this old boy right here figure some things out. Because what have I said a few weeks ago? We are in process, are we not? We are in process. We're not perfect, but we're moving toward maturity. We're, we're moving toward maturity. All I know is that I am a 38-year-old man, and there are times that I will act like an 18-year-old boy. I will get amped up in something, or I'll get excited about something, and I will just, I've got to catch myself. And, and so what I know to be true about the human heart and about fallen, redeemed man is this, is that there are times that we struggle to live out what we know honors God. I mean, you, Apostle Paul, outside of Jesus, one of the greatest men to ever live. One of the greatest men to ever follow after Christ and be a proclaimer of the gospel. Talks about his struggle. The things I shouldn't do, what I do them. That's what happens. The things that I shouldn't do, I do and I participate in. You see the Apostle Paul say that and talk about those things. So, so we have to do the same thing. We're not perfect, but we're moving toward maturity. And so when we don't live out a way of maturity, we own it, we repent, we make right whatever we've wronged. That's what we do. That's what we, and, and, and what I've learned is the closer you get to someone, the easier you start to see some of those areas of their life that might be a little bit more hypocritical. And what I've learned in life is that we all have blind spots. You know what I'm saying? And we like to look at ourselves in light of, of, of being better and being further along in process and being uh, closer than we really are. 
And, and, and in that, we'll get kind of blinded by some areas or by some things. And so if, if you want to know maybe some of those blind spots, where are you more judgmental in other people's lives? I thought it was going to be fun this morning. Hey, we're just getting to it. Like maybe where, where are those areas are we quicker to kind of jump in and, and be, be judgmental about or be real quick to call other people out or, or are we, we real quick to like just find those faults in other people? And maybe just maybe that's God's grace showing us and helping us see the reason why we're so good at, at, at finding everybody else's faults is because maybe that's some areas in our life where we need to mature and grow in. We need to walk in the light in those areas. And so when we do act hypocritical, and we're going to, you're going to, I'm going to, it's going to happen. When we own it, we let the Holy Spirit convict us. We repent, we make right, whatever it is that we've wronged, whatever it is that we've done. And I just want to say this because I know that so often that's an argument for the reason why people don't come to church. And my argument would be, um, how prideful is that to say that those hypocrites, all the while knowing that we're hypocrites too, would keep us from coming to a place when my argument would be, and that's the perfect place for us. Because if you are that great and that far along, then, then come help us be unhypocritical. To which I would probably be willing to bet that you're not, so which would make the waters just fine for you to be a part of too. Because just come be a part of a church where we're struggling and working through hypocrisy and asking God to do a work in us. Okay, so that's, that's enough of that. So the ones who are maturing in their faith, they, they, don't, they don't just talk the talk. They, they don't just know a bunch of stuff, but instead they, they live out the things that they talk about. And sometimes that requires doing the difficult work that we see in Scripture, living out the difficult truths that we see in Scripture. And the way that that happens, what Paul tells the believers here in Philippi, is that you do that through humility. Through humility of how? Thinking more highly of others than yourselves. That's how you do it. You think of others more and you less. So that might mean a few less selfies, a few less trying to work on some likes, a few more others focused, looking at other people, seeing how you can do stuff for other people. The most, the, the most, the, uh, that's not a good sentence. Delete, throw away. Um, that would have not been grammatically correct. I apologize for that. The way to live out humbly in a world that's all about me, 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 my, 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 is to look at how Christ did it and how we just sang. And it's to be a servant of all. But what do I get out of it? Does it matter? How will it benefit me? See, see that, that's, that's not what Jesus says. Yeah, be humble and serve and think of others if they... No, no, no. He, he says to love your neighbor as yourself. To do why? Because I, that's what I've done for you. Th- that's where maturity's at. You, you want to be mature? Live that way. I heard a story a couple weeks ago of someone here at the church. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, there, there's this lady, and she's walking by, and as she's walking by, uh, she, go, she goes by our, our nursery. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with the nursery here at New Life, but my gosh, y'all can feel that. And I love it. I absolutely love it. And so she walks by, um, and as she walks by, she kind of just she, she, she looks in for a second to say hey to the people working there, and she just sees that there is a great number of babies in that room to which we've handled now because we've added more leadership in that room to, to love on little babies and, and, and care for them and, and rock them and do all the sweet stuff that babies do. Anyways, so, so as she's walking by, she looks in and she sees that and she's like, man, you've got a lot. She says, deuces, and she just keeps on walking. No, 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 no. no. She says, hey, how can I help? They're like, well, what are you talking about? Like, like how, did somebody take it? Nope, nobody told me to come here. 
What, what can I do? And, and so she just steps in and she spends a Sunday because she serves in, in other areas in children's ministry. And so she gives up her Sunday to be in a service. Why? So she can sit there and she can love on babies and change diapers and care for. And, and, and nobody told her to do it. She just saw a need. And in that need, she steps up and she meets it. Because she knew in her heart and her mind that if she did that, then what that meant was there were some parents that could stay in here and hear the gospel proclaimed. That there's some people that wouldn't have to worry about their kid, that, that there wasn't a leader that'd have to frantically run around and see what she could do and try to figure out what could happen, or how can I move this here, or who can I, who can I try to see to get this morning that would be willing to, but, but this person, she just steps up and says, hey, I'll do it. And for the duration of the service, she's in there to help, to care for. See, that's an act of humility. That's an act of humility. She, she saw a need, and in that, there was an opportunity to do the difficult work of, of growing and maturing by thinking less of herself and more of others. More of others. And, and then Paul goes on and he says this. He says, let each of you not only to his own interest, look, not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And so the word interest here is a filler word. Because in the, in the original language of the scriptures here, that word's not there. That, 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 that's kind of, it's open-ended. And so really, it, it, this scripture could be read, read like this. It could be read, let each of you look not only to your own financial affairs, or your own property, or your own family, or, or your own health, or your own reputation, or your own education, or your own success, or your own happiness. Don't just think about that. Don't just have desires about that. Don't just strategize about that. Don't just work toward that. But instead, do this. Look to the financial affairs, the property, the family, the health, the reputation, the education, the success, or the happiness of others. It could be read that way. It could be looked at through those lenses. And so my question for you is this. Have you done the difficult work of maturing to this phase? To this area of the discipleship process where are you are more concerned about others than you are yourself? Where you care for other people more than you do yourself? Not tolerate, not like, not be okay with, not... not kind of do stuff for, but be fully invested, fully submerged, fully in for them and their cause, regardless of what you get out of it, regardless of what's promised to you, regardless of what happens. And so I guess my question is this, would you be described as others focused? Not mattering what happens to you, not mattering what you get out of it, not mattering how much further ahead if you get, if at all. But looking at the cost and saying, you know what, it's worth it. Why? Because Jesus has done that for me. Like, like, like y'all know what Jesus gets with us, right? Not a whole lot, I don't think. That's what, that's what makes the cross so great. That's what makes that song that we just sang. I mean, I mean I'm about to lose it over here. I mean, I mean, have you seen yourself in that light? I mean, like, like I have nothing to bring to the table. Nothing. I mean, I have nothing to offer. My skill set is horrible. The fact that y'all let me keep coming back week after week blows my mind. I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, there are so many more people that are more qualified. So many more people that, are, that would be better suited. So many more. I mean, I mean, that's in every area of my life. I mean, I bring absolutely nothing to the table as it pertains to God. Nothing. 
And and he still rescues and redeems me. And the thing that blows my mind about that is he doesn't know that I'm going to rebel tomorrow. I mean, mean, he's all-knowing, is he not? He's all-powerful. He's he's already there, and he sees, and he's aware of. And on the cross, when he dies, he he dies knowing that Scott's going to act dumb at the age of 38. Though he redeemed me and rescued me and saved me at the age of 11. He still says, I'll take the cross for him. And he does the same thing for everyone in this room. He does the same thing for fallen humanity. We have nothing to bring to the table. So when we get like on our high horse, like, well, well, what will I get out of it? Or what will it benefit me? Or if I I give that to that person in the corner, you know what they're going to do with it? Why do we always go, they buy alcohol? Maybe they do, but you know what? You know what? One of the great, oh, this is crazy. Let's just do it. One One of the greatest opportunities I ever had to share the gospel was when I bought the guy in front of me a pack of cigarettes. And I'm against smoking. Oh, if you smoke, you do your thing. But I'm just, I'm like, oh, it just, oh. Like I remember as a kid, we did like that, that dare stuff and all that things. And I'd come home and I would try to like guilt my parents. Like it would be like 30 degrees outside. I'd have the window. Our gym teacher said that if you light up, then we got to do this. I'm like, sure, kill us, mom. It didn't end well. But anyways, she did quit later down the road. But one of the greatest opportunities I ever had to share the gospel with someone was that person in front of me. And I tap him on the shoulder, and they look around like, well, I said, let, let me get this. And he hadn't asked for it yet. And then what do you do? Like, I've already committed to getting this thing for this guy. As they go, oh, by the way, thank goodness he didn't. Like, like, let me get a whole box of them. Thank you, Lord. He just got like one pack. And he's like, why would you do this for me? I said, because Jesus pressed on my heart to do it. And I just want to tell you that he loves you and that he cares for you. You mean you bought the guy? Yeah, I got to buy the guy. Cigarettes. Why? Because I got to tell him about Jesus. Who cares? I can't be the Holy Spirit police. All I can do is share the gospel and let God do the work of changing and convicting and drawing and working and doing. And so what did I get out of that? Nothing. Nothing. I just helped support a habit that I'm not even for. But I got to tell them about Jesus. I got to love them like Christ would at the cost of, I don't even know how much at that time. And so my question, for, would you be described as others focused? And, and so let, let's assess for a second. Let, let, let's, just, let's walk through a few questions that would just kind of help, help us assess whether or not we're kind of in this phase. Because again, I, I would like to believe that we would like to think that we are, and, and this will help kind of just, just be a, a, an indicator of maybe where we're at in this. And, and you can think of it over the last few months, and you don't have to raise, I don't want hands raised, I just want internal thoughts here. But, but, but just to kind of assess the young adult type of maturity. Uh, who have you served? Who have you given your life away for and got nothing in return? Who, who have you cared for in that way, where you served and you've laid down your wants, your desires for the betterment of someone else? And not even got a pat on the back. And maturity comes in when we don't complain about that or don't let everybody else know what we've done. I'm just saying... Because if I, if I have to be celebrated over my service and over, uh, over, over my expense, that's not really living out what Paul tells them there in Philippi, is it? In humility. Humility means I, it doesn't matter if I get any credit for it at all. And I'm going to be honest with you, the, the, some of the most funnest times is when you don't get any credit for it. And people just kind of wonder and try to figure out, like, who, like, who, in the world, who would have done that? Who did that? Who brought that? Put that there? Who would give to that? Another question I would ask is, who have you cared for more than yourself? So maybe you served somebody, maybe you haven't served somebody, but, but, but who have you cared for more than yourself? 
I mean, I mean, really just like taken care of. What about this question? What has it cost you to follow Jesus? Because the mature count the cost and they say that it's well worth it and so they give, whatever the cost may be. No matter the time, no matter the amount of energy that it would take, no matter how much sleep it costs them, no matter how many friends they have to walk away from, no matter, no matter how much family they have to deny, uh, no matter the, the, the pleasures that they have to leave, not even mattering the financial cost of. So, so over the last month, months, what does it cost you to follow Jesus? I mean, like, what does it really cost you? Has it cost you sleep? Has it cost you a meal out by yourself? Has it cost you maybe something that you were going to get? Has it cost you your time? I mean, I mean what does it cost? Because the mature says, I, I don't care. The cost is well worth it, by because they see Jesus and what he has done. What opportunity have you seen and just stepped in and just did without being asked or even appreciated for? Because the maturation as a disciple is taking the focus off of self and is putting it on others. Putting it on others. It's not, it's not about me, it's about them. I mean, how can I help them see Jesus better? How can I love them like Christ has loved me? How can I serve them? How can I give to that, 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 that purpose, that effort? And hear me, this, this is tough. This is tough. And I'm, it's only going to get tougher in the world we're living in. It's only going to get tougher as this world we're living in is focused on, on telling how awesome and how great we are and how much we deserve for ourselves. It's going to get more and more and more difficult. But that's where, that's where the church should just continue to rise up even more. And look how she can, look how, we'll never know the people over there. We may never get to shake someone's hand or love them or hug them or, or physically do something for them other than putting some cans on a stage and send it to Ukraine. We may never get to do that, but who cares? Just like your neighbor, the guy in front of you at the, at the convenience store. I don't, he didn't accept Jesus that day. He, he, he didn't say, oh, brother, let's go, let's go light up and talk more about Christ. He didn't, none of that happened. He said, thank you, but I had the opportunity to tell about Jesus, and then he walks away. I don't know what come of it, but what I do know is this, is that there was a seed planted because some crazy guy bought him a pack of cigarettes and told him about Jesus. But it was well, well worth it. So are you in this phase? The next phase and last phase is this, is the parent phase. And so the disciple in this phase has a solid understanding of, of God's word and a deep abiding relationship with the Father. They get, they've got an understanding. They'll open up God's word and they'll, they'll read it and they can, they can teach it or they can share it or they can talk about it or they can have conversation around it. They, they're, they're constantly just in the Father's presence through prayer or through word or through connection and fellowship with others. I mean, they, they have a, a desire for God and his church and his people and loving and giving, giving of their time and talent and efforts. They're living out God's word daily. They're other-centered and God-dependent. They've made and are in the process of making disciples who can make disciples. I want to read that one more time. They have made or they are in the process of making disciples who can make disciples. Because what's got to be present in someone's life to be a parent? This is not a trick question. Let's try that again. What has got to be present in someone's life to be a parent? A child, yeah. yeah a child, you, you've got to have someone you're responsible for, someone that, that, that you're caring for, someone that you, uh, uh, that you give to, someone that you sacrifice for. Uh, 
You've got to have someone in your life to be at that face, to be at that place. I mean, I mean, I could try to get rid of my kids and give, give them up or sell them on whatever market's out there, but, but I go to jail for that. That, that. that doesn't end well for me. Like when we sat down and we were talking about kids and we began to pray about it, I mean, like we, we knew that those little boogers would be around for the rest of our life. This 18-year-old stuff and they're gone. That's not true. Just ask my daddy sitting back there. I'm not quitting. Don't shake your head. I can preach to you. You're my dad. But yeah, it never ends. We knew what we were signing up for. The headache, the heartache, the, man, the highs, the lows, the no sleep, the, the cost. My gosh, the cost. Man. We knew that. But I also knew this. I wouldn't give them up for the world. Uh, I, I would lay down my life gladly for any of them. Gladly lay it down. 2 Timothy, real fast, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. 2 Timothy 2, 1. It says this. And this is Paul writing to young Timothy. Paul is someone who's poured into Timothy. Paul is someone who has invested into Timothy. Paul is someone who has, has discipled and, and mentored and raised up to release, released young Timothy. And this, this is what he says in 2 Timothy 2, 1. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I mean, this is a huge statement here, church. Like, like, be strength. This is where we get our strength from. Not a pat on the back, not a, a selfie with a thousand likes, not a, uh, uh, not, a, not a shared instance where a lot of people can say, man, how awesome we are. But, but this is where we get our strength and encouragement from. Where? From the grace that is in Jesus Christ. So what we've talked about today, the gospel, uh, what's so amazing is, like I said, he saves us uh, and we have nothing to bring and offer. And he still does it. That's where we're strengthened. Think about that often. So when you sing that song, Man of Sorrows, when you sing those songs that we have on the screen week in and week out, and you think of yourself in light of that, man, that'll wreck you. That will wreck you. And so this is such an encouragement statement. Be strengthened. That's where we find our strength. That's where we find our sustenance. That's why we can do what we do. Why? Because of the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. And so the mature disciple is always pressing in and finding strength in God's grace. Always finding strength in God's grace. So how do we do that? It's time in God's word. The way that we do this, we get to know him or we abide in him. And the way that we abide in him is, is through his word. It's through prayer. It's through fellowship with other believers. Like, I, I don't know what this week's gathering does for you, but let me tell you what it, let me just tell you a second what it does for me. And there's some in this room that I know a little bit deeper. I know, I know of struggle. I know of, of difficulties. I know your story. I know of the things that you've been battling, the things that you, you fight often, the things that you struggle with, the, the ways that you live victoriously. I know when you get shut down from trying to share the gospel or get persecuted uh, uh, wherever you may be at your job or just, just whatever you're doing. I, I, know, I know the things that you're praying for, the things that you're striving for. And let me tell you what it does for me. It just strengthens me, encourages me. So I don't know about you, but, but I can't go long without this. So when COVID hits and we kind of go online, it was kind of cool for the first couple weeks. Because I, I, I've been on staff at a church since I was, since I was 20. And, and so what that means is, is my Sundays are taken for, for the last 18 years. I, I mean, I'll get one or two or a few here, but, but, but it's not, not very often. And I got like three or four in a row. And I'm like, hey, this is, whoa. Babe, we can, we can actually do, we can do something, we can go somewhere. But, but let me tell you what happened quick. Man, it got old. 
And not standing up here preaching and proclaiming. It got old from seeing people out there. It got old from people coming and talking. It got old from people uh, not being able to give a hug, not being able to, to, to see and talk and catch up. It got old so quick. Because I don't know how much you need me, but I know this. I need you a ton. And not to come in and put money in a box. I need you a ton to encourage, to pray for. I need you a ton uh, uh, for me to see how you serve and how you love Jesus because there's, there's parts in you that I'm just like, man, I've got to grow in that area. There's times that I sit down with people and I'm like, ah, oh, I want to so much be like that. I, I want to I live, live sacrificially that way. Man, I want to give like that. I want to care, care for people. They just, there's people in this place who will just say yes and don't, don't I'm like, I haven't even told you what we're doing yet. I don't care. I'm there. But you don't even know what we're doing. It doesn't matter. What would Jesus do? I want to so be like that. Because there's times that I'm not. There's times that I'm worried more about me than, than, than anybody else. There's times that I want to serve me more than anybody. And so I don't know what this does for you, but, but to be reminded of the songs that we sing, to open up the Scripture and be reminded of what God says, and then to hear it and to see it followed up by people's lives that just in, in glad service. And glad, sir, like, like, like the story of the nursery. And there, there's story after story after story like that. And so I don't know what this does for you, man, but I can't go along without this. And then Paul goes on and here in verse 2, and he says, and, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. He's like, so, 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 be, so be encouraged, be, uh, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. And then he says this, he says, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. And I would go out and even go a step further and be entrust this to faithful believers. That's what we're called to do. That's how we make disciples. You just live out what you know, what you've learned, what you've come through. Who will be able to teach others also. And so in order to be a parent, you have to have a kid, right? So what do you have to have to be considered a disciple maker? A disciple. You have to have somebody that you're investing in, that you're walking with, that you're caring for, that you're being intentional. And I'm not talking about just having them over for the game and like shooting the ball and then sending them out. Or, or call, hey, how's the tires on your truck? Yeah, mine's at a however much tread. It's awesome, man. All right, see ya. It's supposed to rain. Be careful. Take an umbrella. Bye. Like, that's not discipleship making. Or being really, really, like, like if I'd have just bought the pack of cigarettes and never said the name of Jesus, th- that's not me being obedient uh, to sharing Christ. Just because we do some nice things, we've got to get past nice things, and we've got to tell them the motive and the heart behind the nice things. It's because Christ has given me so much, I want to give back. I want to serve. I want to give my life away. And it needs to happen intentionally. It needs to happen often. It needs to happen regularly. Because hear me, disciple Making is the process where a maturing believer invests themselves for a period of time in one or a few believers, what for? To help their growth in the faith while helping them get to the place where they invest in others who will invest in others. And so disciple making happens intentionally as we do life together. It's the intentional and organic truth speaking and life sharing. And so church, quality time is needed so that, or quantity time is needed so that quality time can come to be. Did you catch that? Quantity time. Quantity time. Frequency of time needs to happen. Why? So in that we can develop relationship, in that we can have quality time. Like, there's a guy I'm discipling right now. We meet, we meet on Tuesdays for lunch. 
We talk a little bit about Jesus, but right now it's just getting to know him. He's a guy that's been in the church that, that I've known for a while. And so as I'm trying to walk out with him, I'm trying to just get to know him first. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Jesus. We'll pray. We'll do some things like that. We'll guys, but, but we're about to jump in headlong and go for. But I don't know him that well. So we're just, we're just, we're just spending time together. I want to see what makes him tick. I want to see what he enjoys. I want to see, uh, see where he's at. I want to see what's happening in his life. And as we do that quantity time, there's going to be quality time that's going to come from it. So we'll go from talking about the tires and the weather to talking about the deeper things in life. Like, what are you struggling with? What's God teaching you? What did the Holy Spirit press upon your heart from this scripture? And so that happens. We, we see in the Gospels that I would, I would argue that the majority of Jesus' time spent with his disciples wasn't formal. It was as they are going, as they are journeying. Mark 3.14 says it like this. He appointed 12 whom he also named apostles. Why? So that they might be with him. So we need to be with them to have this kind of effect that Jesus had. We've got to spend quantity time to get to quality time so that we can have the right to speak into the, the trust to be earned, to be able to, to, to share and to press and to have difficult conversations and to ask. To ask. And this happens as you're going. It happens with those that you invite in that you're being intentional with, that you're investing with. That's how it happens. That's the way it goes. So, so as, as we wind down this morning, as we close, I just, I just want to leave you that important reminder that, that we have over the last few weeks. It's okay to be where you're at. Whatever area you're at in the process, if you're here this morning and you're lost, praise God you're here. And maybe for the first time, God will awaken in your heart the reality of your need for Him and He will gloriously save you. We pray that every week that God would awaken in people's hearts their need for him. And so maybe you're in that phase, and if that's, that, that's fine. I mean, we are praying like crazy that God would, would awaken you to that reality and your need for him, that you can't do it yourself, that, that you can't answer all the questions yourself, that you can't fix and make anything better apart from him, especially not your life, especially not your eternity. So if you're in that phase, praise God for it. If, if, you're, if, you're, if, you, if you're an infant, if, if you're a child, if, if you're a 50, 60, 70, 80, 90-year-old child infant, that's fine. Just don't be settled for that. Don't be okay in that place. If you're all about you, that's great. Be all about you, but be asking God what, what you can do to move past that. It's okay to be where you are. Don't be content staying in that place. So, so those of us in this room, as, as well as watching online, the reality is this, what, I, what I've known to come true, be true about the church is that we're all over the board. We are all over the board as it pertains to discipleship and where we're at in the process. And like I said, I, I made a comment a couple of weeks ago that, that I just believe that the child and infant stage is where we find the greatest number of people in the church today. As we look at the discipleship process, I just believe that's where we find the greatest number of people uh, that, that walk through the doors week in and week out. And maybe for the first time you've had somebody tell you that. You've had a pastor stand up here and be bold enough and say, hey, look, I love you enough to tell you the truth about you, that we're probably not as far along as we are, as we think that we are. And hear me, that's, that's quite all right, but let's just don't be satisfied there. Let's keep pressing, let's keep pushing, let's keep asking God to do a work. And so one of the things that I like to do is whenever I meet with groups, whenever I kind of go through stuff like this, I like, I like, to, I like to do like a little, a little test on the church. And I've had the opportunity to do a few times since I've been here with like small groups or in trainings or different things that we do. And, and, and as we're launching out groups right now, one of the things I did with some of those leaders probably about two months ago is I put this up and I said, all right, let, let's, let's go 100% is what we've got. 100%. 
And we've got to categorize where people are at in process with 100%. How many, what percentage would you say that the church, and we, we, go, we, like, we go outward first, like the big church, and then we kind of, we start to home in a little bit on, on who we are. And so because it's easy to call everybody else out, right? It's easy to look at like the church, like the big C church, and kind of be able to assess that. And then whenever you start to kind of uh, uh, zoom in just a bit and have to figure out for yourself, one, where you're at, and two, where, where, where the people that we, we, we rub shoulders with week in and week out are at, it gets a little bit more difficult. And, and I never start on this side. I never start at the infant. I, I always go to this side. And the reason why I do that is because I believe that this is where the smallest number is. And we like, like, we like the, oh, man, there's got to be at least 20, 20% parents, right? 20%? I said, 20%, y'all? Yeah, man. I, I mean, I, the people that they, and they, and then this, this, is, this is always kind of like that gut punch kind of kick. For a second, I said, we, y'all are leadership in the church. Y'all about to launch out groups. Who are you intentionally walking with right now for the purpose of raising up as a disciple to release out to go do the same thing you're doing in their life? Ugh. The air's just sucked out of the room. I, mean, I, like, I, don't, I don't press them without pressing me. And because it's easy to like, be the guy on the stage with the mic and kind of like, hey, let's, let's have fun with y'all. How about assess me for a moment? Who am I walking with? Who am I giving my life away with? Like, like, like I had a conversation this week with, with a, a ministry leader outside of the church, a mission organization. And this person was just tore up, just frustrated because, because this person, I can't tell you the amount of times that, that, that guys stand on the stage week in and week out saying, get outside the walls, get outside the walls, get out, serve, serve, serve. You got to do, you got to go, go make disciples, go do. All the while, this person reaches out to pastor after pastor after pastor and not one does a, a thing. And I can't tell you how nice and cute and easy it is to stand up here and tell y'all how bad you are. And I pray to God that he never lets me do that without first looking at me. So, so when we walked through this exercise a few months ago, I, I would say probably for me the last year and a half has probably been one of the, the worst times of spiritual obedience following the discipleship making that I've ever had. And, and if I was going to assess myself, I would say that I would fall heavy right here. I wasn't invested in somebody. I wasn't walking with. I mean, I was spending time in the Word. I mean, I kind of got to do that, right? Yeah, I was praying. I mean, I was focused on me. I mean, I was just, I was in a dark, weird place. I'd taken miles off Jesus. I wasn't abiding and pursuing like I needed to be. I was wore out. I was frustrated. A lot of just stuff hit me. I mean, I'd, uh, and I can give you every excuse I want to give you, but at the end of the day, the excuse is because I wasn't dying to self and living in Christ. And so it's easy to, it's easy to, to try to, because I wanted to feel better about myself and think of myself more here. All the while knowing good and well that God wouldn't let me. He wouldn't let me go there. Because, I, because I'm not, my, my obedience didn't match up to what that level would look like. And so we have that conversation. We talk about it in trainings and stuff like that. And we go here and we finally kind of get it down to, to, like, to like, we'll go, we'll go 3%. 5% to be nice. 5% of people in the church, maybe even here, like, like who are you investing in? Who are you raising up to release out that you're having weekly gatherings with, one-on-one or one-on-a-few talking about the things that matter around the Word of God. And so we'll, we'll, we'll be nice and we'll go 
And then we start to kind of work our way this way. What about a young adult? How many, I mean, how many, what's the percentage of people that really give their life away, that get it, that are spending time in the Word, that they can open up God's Word and, and have a consistent time of just, just prayer and in the Word and a longing and following and yearning of Jesus? And that number is, is even higher. It's got to be about 30, 40%, right? Uh, I'm like, you think, guys? And we begin to talk about it and ask questions. And we'll finally land, just for number's sake, 15%. So we'll land at that place and we'll say that there's 20% of the church that we would consider to be mature believers in Christ. And we wonder why church is split. We wonder why people run off all the time. We wonder why we can't. Why we, the moment I don't get my way, I'm gone. The moment uh, we're, we're not whatever enough. The moment that my preference or my ego or my likings isn't massaged and made utmost, then I'm done. I can't believe that they would. So then they bolt. Which then brings us to the child and infant stage, to where we get, and we don't, we, don't even, we don't even flirt with the whole, how many people come to church week in, week out that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior? And I think what scares me to death is the fact of what that scripture says, in that day, many of you on that day will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not? And what is Jesus' response to those people? Depart from me, I never knew you. What keeps me up at night is when I read stuff like that and I think of people that walk in and out, in and out, day, week after week after week, and never, never do anything for the glory and honor of Jesus. And, and hear me, I, I love you, and I know this is kind of tense right now, and it's kind of like, oh gosh, she's like, I just want us to sit in that for a moment. I want, I want the Holy Spirit to do work. Because hear me, I'm not big and bad and good enough to convince anybody in this room of anything that you are or you're not. But my God is, and I am praying like crazy that he does. That if you walk in and out of the, the doors of a church, man, there is no spiritual longing and desire for the things of God. If, if, if you haven't read the Word in weeks, if you haven't prayed in weeks, if you haven't given yourself away in service of some sort in weeks, if it hasn't cost you something, then, then you're not His. I just love you enough to tell you the truth. You can't be. I mean, yeah, we all get stuck in patterns of sin, or we all get kind of drawn away, and we all get hard-hearted from time to time. Uh, but hear me, God loves me enough to draw me back. God loves me enough to convict me, to, to show me that I, I can sin for a bit and, and kind of like it, but it doesn't take long for me to get beat up and wore out. Why? Because God loves me more than that, to leave me and let me run off on my own, do whatever I want to do, and act how I want to act. He cares for me far, far much more than that, to leave me in that. And the way that I know that I'm his is because he comes after me and he reminds me of it. And when God reminds you of that, oh, what that does in your heart, what that does in your life. So, so we don't even go that route a whole lot. But I think what blows my mind and what, what, what just crushes me is to say that the majority of the people in church would be in those two categories. Would be in those categories. So as the band comes back up, man, I, I, don't, I don't know where people are at in this, the phases. I don't, I don't know where you're at in the stages of this. There may be some in here that need to be saved from your sin and rebellion. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus and quit just making Him a historical figure that you know a lot about, but making Him Lord of your life. Making Him in control and making Him the author of your life. Making Him the one that says whatever He says is yes and amen. And putting your faith and trust in that Jesus who died on the cross and kicked hell grave and death in the face and walks out. And in that, you see yourself for who you are and you believe in the name of Jesus and you are saved. You confess that with your mouth that he is Lord and you, you submit to his authority.
Or maybe you're here this morning and you're in the infant stage, child stage. And so the greatest need for you is to grow up and mature. Man, I can remember as a kid, that's one of the most difficult conversations. My, my dad would call me and he'd call it an attitude adjustment. I don't know if you had those. And if that didn't work, there was something else that came with it that would help. And so he'd call me and he'd have talks with me. And then even as I got a little bit older, and I, I can remember, Billy, the reason why I like him so much, I can remember one time I was at his place doing some stuff with him. And some kids come walking in and I'm like playing and doing, but I needed to be about doing something else. And I'm just kind of playing. And he called, he's like, Scott, I need to talk to you. I said, yeah, man, what's up? He said, those kids are I said, yeah. He's like, can you leave me alone? I said, but the kids, he's like, you're not here for the kids. You're here to do this. And he says, you need to grow up and you need to be about what, I, what, what you're here to be about. And so I just tucked my tail down and I just walked off and I got back to being about what I was about. But let me tell you what that did to me. Man, the focus that that gave me, the understanding that I was here to do something different. So there's some in this room that just need to get over themselves. You need to get out of your way so that God can use you. You need to quit making everything about you, everything about, about your comfort, everything about ease. And just what blows my mind and just kills me at the same time is the amount of people that have been around in church. And it's all about their life and it's all about themselves. And it's everywhere, every church. I don't care where you go, it's everywhere. And at the moment, it doesn't go their way or the way that they think that it should. They take their ball and they run off to the next one. I think what blows my mind and what crushes me at the same time is the opportunity, the potential that is represented in this room this morning. Church, what we could accomplish for the glory of God if we would just die to self, if we would just get in the Word, if we would just pray, if we would just serve, if we would just give away and do life with others and be others-focused. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're in the young adult phase. I would say just keep feasting on the Word of God. Keep serving, keep giving of your time, your talents, your stuff. Uh, uh, not, just, not just look for someone or someone. I mean, go look for someone or someone to intentionally invest in for the purpose of making a disciple who can make a disciple. We take it to the next step. In invite somebody out for coffee. Invite somebody over to your house to eat where you can have conversation. Do it, do it weekly. Hey, hey man, would, would you, every, every, every Thursday night I want you in my house. I, I want you eating at my table. What do you want me to bring? Nothing, just you and a good attitude. And I just, I just want to talk and get to know you. And as we talk and get to know you, I want to just, I just want to pour in you. And if you're a parent here and you're making disciples, man, keep it up. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And this is what blows my mind. If we would look at how serious, if we just get serious about this church. Look, if we, if we would have 20 people in one year, see, I'll be a disciple maker. 20 people in one year. There's 20 of us. I said, yeah, I'm in. Count me in. I'll do it. I'll invest in somebody. I'll walk with somebody. I will, I will give my life away. I don't, maybe I don't know everything I need to know about the Bible. Maybe I don't, but, but I know enough that I can, I mean, I can just walk with and love. And if I have questions, I can find out and ask people and get the answers. And we did that for one year. What would happen after two years? We'd have 40. Because of the ones that you invested in and you released out to go. And then in three years, after we do it for three, three years, we go from 40 to 80. And after, after four years, we have 160 to people that make disciples. That's more people that are in the sanctuary right now, 160 people making disciples. In five years, look at where we're at. Ten years, we're at 10,240 disciples. Do you know how many churches that is in, in Spartanburg and across the world? 10,000 people ain't fitting in here. I don't want 10,000 people in here. I don't want 10. I'm not a 10-service preacher. Some of you are like, you're not even a one-service preacher. We'll, we'll, we'll encourage him. Y'all laugh at that stuff. I don't get it. But man, what we could do, 15 years, 327,000, almost 328 disciple makers in Spartanburg County across the world, going after, being aggressive and attacking 
this world. I don't even know what that number is. I'm just going to say 1.3 because it's easier to say. But in 17 years, we would have 1.3 million <laughs> disciple makers. Dang, y'all. And so we get, we get overwhelmed by the mission that's in front of us. How did Jesus do it? 12. He started with 12, and look at where we're at today. 12 men who were willing, well, really 11 because one was just, uh, so, t- so 11 men that said, I'm all in and I'll do it. I'll give my life away. To which it cost them their physical lives, most of them. John exiled. And we're here today as a result of it. And if we would just get serious what God could do. So I don't know what God spoke to your heart. I don't know what he's pressed upon you. I don't know what, what he said to you, man. But I want to encourage you. It's okay to be where you're at. Don't be satisfied there. We've got groups that are opening up, that are happening. Some here Wednesday night, 545. Come eat. Get it plugged in. We, we've got one that, that's going to meet Thursday morning for women. We've got, uh, we've got one that's on Tuesday morning for women. We've got, um, uh, we've got one on Thursday night. This guy right here, come see him. He'd love to talk to you about being in his group. He may even sing to you there. I don't know. He'll tell you about Jesus. We've got two that meet right now on campus. The guy sits right here and John sits right there. Same, th- same thing as what's going to be in a home. Just doing life together, walking together. I mean, we've got, we've got, got others that are ready to be launched out. And that's the environment, that's the place where we believe that this can happen, where we can accomplish and we can do this, as well as one-on-one. So I don't know what God's stirred in your heart. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I would encourage you, beg if you don't leave this place not knowing Him as Savior. And if you are, don't be satisfied where you're at. Don't be, oh man, there's a tree. That, I don't know where I'm going. I know where I want to get to, but I don't know where I'm at. There's a tree. I'm telling you right now, we can help you figure out where you're at. And our commitment is to get you to the place you need to be. So you be obedient this morning. If you want to come talk, you want to come pray, whatever it is that God lays on your heart, you be obedient to. Father, help us this morning to hear you, to be obedient, to to walk out what you've called us to be and do. We need you. We thank you so much. God, for coming after us and rescuing us and inviting us in when we had nothing to offer. That's salvation. We're so, so grateful. God, work and move in this time. In your name we pray. Amen.